Hello, hello. Hello, how are you? Good, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Excellent, excellent. It's nice to meet you virtually. Yes, it's nice to meet you too. <laughs> I um, remember hearing your talk on um, Chris's um, podcast show and I was like, I have to interview him. <laughs> I, I have to make a, a three-hour with this guy <laughs> it, it was it was funny because you actually said a lot of things that made a lot of sense oh great great that, that that's always a plus <laughs> and and i was like you know he's probably the first person i've heard on his show that's actually giving it to him straight about him doing what he needs to do for him as a, himself you know as his you know what he finds important in this whole language learning environment versus, you know, I mean, let's face it. You got Benny, you got Kirsten, you got Lindsay, you got Ollie, you got Luca, you got all these people who, you know, are very successful in their own rights. And they, they started the same way, you know, at the bottom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, these are people who, um, I mean, they've made language learning work for them, but they've also they've also made um, teaching language learning um, sort of their thing as well. And not everyone, you know, not everyone who wants to learn languages needs to be a teacher. And, um, you know, and, and I do think that a lot of times, um, you know, I mean, especially for us language fanatics who want to speak everything all the right. time and speak it really well, uh, I think it's really um, uh, intimidating when you, when you come across other people who are doing it better than you are or better than you think they are. Um, and, uh, yeah, and it's just, it, it's language learning for me. It's a very personal experience and it's fun to meet people and, and share ideas and just talk about how learning languages is so much fun. But I mean, I especially am not, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think I'll ever be a polyglot in the, in the true sense. Um, right. I'm, I, I call myself a flexiglot or a quasi-glot because I learn different levels of languages and, you know, usually for specific needs. Like if I'm going traveling, I will cram, you know, however much of a language I can before I go, I'll right. use it and, and I'll, I'll, I'll have a lot of fun with it. And I'll, I'll have people think I'm a native speaker sometimes, which is really fun. Uh, and then I come home and then I forget everything that I've learned a week later. Um, you know, right. and then if, then if I travel again, I, I learn it, you know, I kind of relearn it and it comes back a little more quickly the second time around. Right. But, but I, you know, there's no way I can, in, you know, in my, especially in my life now, there's no way I can, um, you know, play with the big kids this way. You know, I, I can't, you know, record a video of me saying, you know, speaking in 20 different languages unless I've rehearsed it a little bit or I talk about the few things that I know about, like, you know, excuse me, where's the bathroom? Um, right. You, you know, and I'm also I'm also twice the age of most of these most of these kids nowadays. So, um, right. you know, and I've, I'm I'm just finishing school. I'm looking for a job. Uh, you know, I've got a partner and a house and pets and everything. So, um, you know, I, I don't have the, as much time as I used to when I was single. So, um, you know, so I've, I've got to kind of restructure my life and my language learning um, projects and time to, to, you know, to fit it in when I can and when it's important. And, right. and, I, and I think a lot of people do feel the pressure of wanting to 
um, you know, like more is better and, and quantity over quality or quantity along with quality. And I'm just, I'm, I'm not there. Uh, and I know, you know, Chris and I, we've talked a couple of times and I've, you know, I've, I've kind of told him, you know, what I think, and he's, he's been really receptive to it. So the podcast that he invited me on, that was a lot of fun to just kind of chew the fat and not really, um, you know, fixate on goals and, um, you know, high success rates. So. Right. Right. Cause I, I see that a lot. Like, you know, people get language burnout all the time. And Definitely. I, and I, I try to tell people my, my motto is language learning is a journey, not a race. Enjoy the, pro- enjoy the um, process of it. Because if you don't find something enjoyable about that language, personally, I don't think you should do it. <laughs> you know, I mean, because you're, you're going to sit there and, and either buy materials, go to the library, find stuff for free on the internet, however you may do it. And then you're going to be like, why did I do this? This isn't really for me. It, and it, you have to be able to feel your way through that language if that's something you really are connected to. And, you know, I see a lot of people who, you know, they want to speak 30 languages. And I said, really <laughs> you know i mean i live in i live um in akron ohio so i'm i'm like 50 minutes away from um my hometown cleveland and so here we have so many people from the middle east and asia and, and um you know eastern europe and latin america and, and whatnot and wow it's a and, nice crowd right so we have so many different languages it's not even funny. And I, you know, I took some time to volunteer helping people with their English at a nonprofit organization called um, Project Learn Summit County. And there was a lot of people from Asia and a lot of people from the Middle East. And I, I spoke a little bit of Arabic and they went nuts. Very little <laughs> Japanese. And I mean, it was a few words here and there. It wasn't like rattling. To... And I accidentally spoke Russian with someone that was from like Iran. <laughs> and I was just rattling on in Russian and they're like, Your Russian's good. But <laughs> I'm from Iran and I speak Persian. I'm like, Oh <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Yeah, but you know, they they were really welcoming. Um, you know, I find that a lot of people, even though they're learning English, they're surprised that you want to learn their language. And I said, Well, why not? We all live in this country together, why not speak each other's languages? Oh, yeah. ex- exactly. And I, and I have to say, I do, I do love the mentality of, of, you know, especially being an American, but, but an American with the mentality of wanting to learn other languages, because uh, a lot of people think that the U.S. is a monolingual country or that we, we, we don't care about languages. And ever since, you know, po- the polyglot communities have started, uh, they've been growing and kind of, you know, showing that, no, there are a lot of people here who want to learn other languages. We, we, we like them. We are not against them, uh, right. you know, and I, and, I, and I love that mentality. And so when people ask me, oh, it's like, I want to learn a foreign language, which one should I, should I start with? And, you know, and, and really, it, again, it goes back to what you were saying. If you're not invested in it, if you're just doing it for the sake of doing something uh, without any kind of uh, connection or passion about it, then it's really easy to do a little bit and then go, oh, you know what, this isn't really as much fun as I wanted it to be. Or, you know, and I, and I think a lot of, lot of people, um, they don't want to do the work of learning the language. They want to have become fluent in the language. And, and there's a, a huge distinction. You know, I dream about speaking, you know, 30 or 50 languages 
um, you know, conversationally, but doing the work and actually going through the process is another thing. So you do have to love right. the process. Um, so, but, but I mean, I, so I, I do encourage people to, you know, to learn, you know, learn other languages, but you also have to be realistic about it because if you're not going to find a use for it, uh, you know, or if it's not going to, to fill some, some, you know, some hole of passion inside of you, then, um, then uphill climb. Right. Now, for my listeners, can they um, find out a little bit about you and your background, how you got started with wanting to, you know, do languages? Sure. Uh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, my name is Dave Prine. Uh, I am uh, a, a language fanatic. And I was, uh, I w- when I was really young, I wanted, I, I, learned, I got a, a Spanish textbook when I was a kid. And I was looking through it and I learned, I saw the phrase, uh, es la pluma de Juan. And so it is Juan's pen. And I thought, oh my God, it's a secret code. This is amazing. And I, I studied a little more Spanish for fun. But then, you know, of course, I didn't have a use for it. So it, it um, then I was forced to learn Spanish uh, as you know, you have, you have to take a foreign language in high school back then. And it was just, it was just all, it was technical and just learning and memorizing verb charts and vocabulary, but not really using it. And so I, I after four years of high school, I came out of there not being able to converse in Spanish. I just knew a few set phrases and a bunch of words. I compare it to um, like being a mechanic and, and like knowing all the parts of the car and kind of what they do and how they work, but never really knowing how to drive the car. And so I put languages aside for a few years. And then I, I met a woman who spoke German and I was fascinated by her and I wanted to insinuate myself into her life. And um, we, we became friends and I ended up hanging out at her apartment a lot when she was not around and she had all these German books. And so I would look through them and go, Oh, German. It's a cool, it's cool. It's a neat language. Look at all these vocabulary lists and, and phrases and stuff. So then I vowed to learn German and uh, I took a few classes in college and they said, you take one more and you can study abroad for a year. And so I, I got to study in Germany for a year. And that's where I found out if you were an American who knew you know, 10 words in a language, you could get someone to smile or buy you a beer or give you a couch to crash on or, or be a friend right. for life. And, and that, that's what really kind of set me off. It was, it was sort of a, a device for meeting people. And again, if you're an American who knows you know, 10 words in Hungarian, you are considered an oddity in, in the best possible way. And I, I, I used that as a novelty. It ended up being a bar trick. So I would learn you know, set phrases and, and vocabulary words here and there. And I mean, it opened up so many doors and it just really uh, exposed me to you know, the, the wider world. And that's how I fell in love with languages. Wow. And yeah. And so when I, when I came back from studying in Germany, I switched my degree from math to German and then graduated with that and never, never really use it professionally, but I continued to study languages and I would buy, um, uh, you know, books on, on any language I could find. And uh, I started getting excited about how the languages worked. And I learned about things like vowel harmony and agglutinative languages and all, you know, all sorts of weird, you know, grammar, uh, grammatical terms that you don't have, you know, in English or for the English language mm-hmm. and the, all these concepts. And I really started falling in love with how the languages worked. And I, I guess kind of 
falling back into that mechanic men mentality where I loved learning how to speak the languages, but then also was able to pick up how, you know, pick up on how they worked and how to put things together and why certain words and sounds do or don't go together. And uh, as of right now, I'm finishing up a degree in linguistics at University of Virginia, and I'm hoping to get involved with um, uh, endangered languages. I, I had learned about endangered, endangered languages a while ago, and my first reaction was, oh, languages are dying. They might die out before I get to learn 10 or 15 words in them. I have to do something about that. So, so I'm, I'm excited about language revitalization, language documentation, and working with minority and endangered languages uh, to hopefully kind of keep them from, from dying off and, and giving them a little bit more uh, prestige and raising awareness. So, um, yeah, so, so originally it was, just, it was just a way to meet people. And now um, I just love languages for the sake of you know, right. lear learning them and learning about them. Well, no, you know, that's awesome. You actually talk about indigenous languages because this is the year of indigenous languages. Um, and I had the privilege to interview Dr. Eve Kohler, who has traveled all over documenting, documenting um, you know, indigenous languages. Um, and um, now she's going to be um, a tenure professor at Brigham Young University um, language department um, in Hawaii. Oh, nice. And Excellent. So I had the opportunity to interview her because um, I had bought my $29 ticket for women in language this year. And, you know, like I tell people all the time, you know, a lot of Americans don't have passports, you know, and because I don't have a passport to go anywhere, um, you know, I said, well, I'll do this, you know, and I got to um, meet a lot of interesting people that I wouldn't have been able to meet otherwise, you know, uh, especially women polyglots. Because if you notice, like, the field is saturated with a lot of guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. And, and so, you know, when Kirsten and Lindsay and uh, Shannon um, uh, started last year women in language for the first time to showcase women polyglots and and you know give them a platform to be able to speak about what it is that they're doing throughout the language community worldwide i thought that was great i mean yes there was a little pushback because a, a lot of the guys thought that guys weren't going to be included well they can buy tickets and they can participate you know as far as you know audience members and you know, everyone's welcome to come and, you know, partake in it, but it's the, mostly the platform is to hear women give their talks about, you know, parenting and traveling and conservation of, you know, the environment. And so, you know, using languages and pr from that perspective, because a lot of women don't have the opportunity to share what they know in regards to language learning and how they're creating different avenues and platforms like you don't you don't hear it it's not as you know prevalent as a lot of the guys who are out there in the forefront so yeah and i th I, th I think there i mean there are a lot of guys out there uh you know like a lot of uh, uh 
been leading the polyglot community uh, and, and there's some bigger names, but I do love that like Lindsay Williams and Kirsten Cable uh, are, are out there and there, and there are a number of other ones, but, and, and having events like the you know, women in languages uh, is great for kind of, you know, bringing, you know, bringing women out there and, and exposing the world to them. And if you ever get a chance to go to any of the uh, polyglot events, I've been to the Langfest in Montreal once. I was at the very first one mm-hmm. when it was when it was called the North American Polyglot Symposium. Yeah, I remember that. And yeah, that was that was great. And I've uh, I've been to I've only been to the uh, last three polyglot gatherings, and I'll be going again this year. And it's it's really great because I mean there are so many talks. And that one has has a great great uh, representation of women. Uh, I mean, there are, I mean tons of them just presenting. And I think last year there were six hundred participants, and it was I, I think I, I want to say the numbers were about even between men and women. And it's great. Uh, it's a great community for um, you know just everyone to kind of get together in a in a low pressure, no pressure. Uh, no intimidation area uh, where you can just get people talking and everyone is so friendly. Right. And, and I really think that, that, um, you know, the polyglot gathering uh, for me personally has really exposed me to a number of, of, you know, men and women. I've given talks there. I'll be giving a talk this, uh, this summer at the gathering. And uh, I'd really love to go to the polyglot conference, but I've, I have not been able to go to any of those yet. So um, someday. Yeah. It's, it's all the way in Fukuona, Japan. And, Everyone's like, I would love to go, but it's, it's still expensive. I'm like, uh, you better have a couple K in, <laughs> in your pocket somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's. Uh, but the, but the nice thing is, uh, I mean, it's one of the the at least as far as I know, uh, the Polyglot Conference is one of the uh, most popular Polyglot events, and it's nice that it does move around. Uh, it was actually in New York City several years ago, and I right. only le- I only learned about the conference after it had happened. And if I had known, you know, a few months earlier, I would have been able to go because I was I was nearby. But I missed out, and since then, I think it's just been in Europe and now Japan. So it's it's bad for us who are in one spot, but it is good right. for for people in you know in Japan and other parts of of uh, Eastern Asia that uh, can't go to the gathering or or Langfest or to any of the European or North American or South American um, polyglot events. So, so it is nice that if, if you can't go to the, to the conference, the conference will eventually come to you. Um, but yeah, I, I want to go to all of them and that's a little unrealistic. So oh, I have to oh, take oh, that in trust, trust me, I, I keep telling everyone once I get my passport and, you know, and I let people know, you know, for me being, you know, visually impaired and, and on disability here in the U.S., get, you know, just to save up for your passport, that's going to take a couple months. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, I try to tell my audience all the time, you know, not everyone is financially stable to go all over the place. I actually have contacted some of, I contacted Richard and Alex and I actually, well, I, I did have the opportunity to interview them both for the show, which I was very grateful for their time <laughs> and expertise. Um, I um, asked them, I said, well, you know, I know that people love languages, but it would be kind of cool if you can stream the conferences, because that way a person can go to the website, they can find out what time this is being done, and they can listen to it, you know, as it's being, you know, given, 
And then that way they feel like they're part of the of the conference without having to, um, you know, bust out like thousands of dollars. Yeah, yeah, no, and and exactly, and 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 to add to that, um, I mean, it would, I mean, they they could easily, um, you know, just charge like a small fee, kind of like the women in language, um, who you know, you pay a fee and then you watch the videos, and I I don't remember if they were in real time, but I remember watching some after the fact. Yeah, but, yeah, they were in real time. Okay, and if there's if there's some sort of mechanism for you know like being able to type in questions, so that way at the end of their talk they could answer questions that were were provided remotely. That would be a great idea. Um, or, right. And and even after the fact, like the polyglot gathering, uh, they they record they video record most of the talks and they then put them up on their YouTube channel where everyone can see them, um, you know, for free. And the only downside is that they you know they don't they they record them and then put them on later and sometimes there's a, a couple months uh, lag time because there's right. so many talks and everything um but that that is kind of nice and i've gone back and i've seen a couple talks that i missed because you know at the gathering you have uh, i think this year now they have six rooms uh so you will have as many as six talks given at any one particular time and that uh you know obviously you're gonna miss something no matter how many talks they go to you're gonna miss a lot more so yeah, yeah, uh, so yeah so i do like that i do like i do like that they do that and offer sort of a um, you know, after the fact, uh, ability to watch these things. But you're right. I think that uh, it, it would be so great to to be able to watch in real time remotely, and you know, and, and again, ask questions, or at least kind of feel like you're there at at the moment in the moment. Oh yes, I mean personally. Hold on, real quick. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. We we love Dave. We love Dave. Everybody loves Dave. Okay, Shame. I'm sorry about that. My, Shameless my promotion. Freezer, my freezer has been making these stupid sounds, and I have to go in there and close it because it likes to. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god. Is is it going? Help me! Help me! Yes, I I had maintenance come in, and they did nothing last yesterday. So I recorded the sounds, and I'm gonna let them know. I need a new refrigerator. <laughs> But um, yes, I I brought that up um, to everybody, like uh, the people at the Polyglot Gathering. Uh, I brought that up to Richard. He said he would take that under advisement. You know, that would probably be a good idea to do that. I mean, because I know um, I used to be a part of the National Federation of the Blind here in Ohio, and they would... Um, stream their stuff you know you just downloaded it for free and you got to listen to it and you kind of felt like you were there uh, that's yeah. always fun yeah that's all that's right. always a plus yeah right you kind of felt like you were there and i mean i even thought about saying well if you know if you want to really make this virtual have have somebody do it like because all it does is you get some equipment and your computer and you can stream um however have people like be on a computer if there's people asking questions virtually that can't be there in the room and they can take questions from the internet too or from twitter or from social media you see what i'm saying yeah that totally you you get it more interactive representation than just in person 
Yeah, no, I, I can totally see that. I can see the downside of that for them being that uh, if, if they do offer this, even, even for a small fee, that it may discourage attendance because people may go, oh, I really want to go to this, but you know what? I can just spend, you know, 35 bucks and watch it and not have to shell out, you know, the, the, the money. So that may, you know, it may or may not uh, hinder uh, actual physical attendance, um, but I also, I, but I, you would think that maybe if they had sort of a, a like if it was fee based, they would get, um, you know, a number of subscribers who just couldn't go there no matter what, who still want to, want to partake. So I think if, right. if they, if they charged a nominal fee, I think that would benefit everyone. Right. Um, so, but, uh, and, and again, they have to, you know, take their considerations on like, what would it cost? How much time would it cost to set up? Would that be like an added uh, thing that might be glitchy. So I, I, I do understand that it's not as easy as just saying, oh, okay, let's, let's get a webcam and, and throw it out there. So, right, um, right. yeah, I, I know at the NFB convention, they actually have people who do it. I mean, cause you know, there are blind people out there. They got their own radio stations and stuff. Cause they're like music junkies and they know how to do all of this stuff and they just do it. You know, they'll, they'll broadcast it and everything and like make it a, as animated as you possibly can. And it, it's amazing. Like, I was like, wow, this is like freaking awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Because yeah. I told, I told Tetsu Young, I said, I, I, next year is my goal. My goal is to get to Langfest. Um, you know, and actually submit a proposal to speak at Langfest. Oh, um, excellent. That'd be great. Yeah. Because I, I kind of want to explain how me being visually impaired, how I learn languages in my own way and how I use audio in conjunction with Braille and, and make, do a little demonstration of how that actually works. And Because I use an immersion method to learn everything. Like I do everything by ear. And so I'm not completely blind, but I, I can see some, but not enough to read print anymore and I've never could drive a car so um I pretty much do everything like I use Michelle Thomas and, and YouTube and Mango languages and anything that's audio SRS um and um like ebooks and I'll read it with my braille display or whatever the case is and I, I'm more or less speak you know from day one method as well but at the same time it's not I don't want to just flub it you know I really want to understand the grammar and how this is you know structured and so um that's pretty much my approach you know to language learning like when I'm learning a particular language oh, that's great that's great that, that is that is way way ahead of me I'm I'm very visual um, you know, and my, my ear is, is not all that great. So I can, I can read words and, you know, and, and if I can get audio, then that's, that's really helpful. But, uh, mainly it's, it's all like visual for me and visually in my head. So I picture the words spelled out in my head and I've always said, I need to switch to listening more, but I <laughs> just could, can never do it. Uh, and, and, you know, same with music. I grew up kind of, you know, I started off being tone deaf and now my ears a lot better, but I'm so much more comfortable with reading sheet music than picking things up by ear and that is that is sadly to my detriment so 
Um, but no, I, th yeah. I think, I, I think it's, yeah, I think it's amazing that you can, you can do all this by ear and, and despite your, your, you know, disability, like you, you, you've got tech down. You've, I mean, you've been cranking with this podcast. You put, you put an episode out like every other day, it seems. I, I looked at your list. I'm like, she has like 80, 80 episodes out and I have like nine. And like, <laughs> well, you know, it's kind of funny because, you know, I, I'm starting to get people to come on my show i mean like chris had asked you how the hell do you do it how do you get these people to come on your show i was like it's easy i just send an email podcast invitation <laughs> in the subject line and then i say why i want them to come on my show and i'm very picky about who i want on my show anyway you know i mean and you actually have the right to have whoever you want on your show oh definitely yeah you don't necessarily have to interview every single body even though I did tell him, I, I went on your site and I just started looking at people and I just, <laughs> but um, yeah, he's been very influential, whether he realizes it or not, um, <laughs> you know, and he's very sweet. And, and I, I sat there and I said to him, I said, well, thank you for being like, you know, one of the, my inspirations for doing my, because he was like, well, why don't you just do one? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> so it, it'd be it'd be a year on May third that I, I started my podcast. Oh, that's um, great! Happy anniversary! <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm I'm quite happy about that. I mean, I've got to interview a lot of cool people. I mean, I have other people that you know I I'm going to be interviewing um, between next week and May. So. You know, and I got people to agree to come on the show. I just have to get them a time. Like I'm, I'm Moses McCormick is going to come on my show, and you know how hard that is to get him. Uh, I wouldn't know because I've never tried, but I would imagine that uh, um, I, I, his his name pops up a lot, so I would imagine he's probably in high demand. Um, so, so yeah, no, no, I, I, uh, you know, I, I do a podcast with my friend, Rick Dearman and, mm -hmm. uh, just, and, and we do it remote, like, you know, we do it remotely. He's in the U S and just getting our schedules to sync up has been such a pain that trying to get other people involved is, is, you know, the next step that, that I'm not going to worry about until maybe until, until we actually get to the gathering and maybe we can grab some people in person, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, for, for as, as um, cohesive as the community is and as willing as people are, are to be people and give advice and interviews, it, it sometimes just the scheduling alone is, is the <laughs> deal breaker. So oh, um, yeah, yeah. You gotta be, I, I'm a very patient person. So I mean, it took me months to get certain people. Oh, yeah, oh, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, one of my best friends from high school came on as my first guest because he, he loves languages and his favorite language was Spanish and he's totally blind. And he's like the fourth highest episode that I've had to date or fifth highest episode I've had to date since I started because people were curious to know how he, he learned. And I said, well, if you can't see, you learn with your ears. And at the time, the Internet wasn't as big as it is today. So, you know, he just did what he had to do. And now he can interpret you know, um, Spanish, from Spanish to English at his job. And, you know, he loves it. 
<laughs> That's great. So, that, yeah, then and, and, and that would be a great a great presentation. Um, you know, to to talk about you know ways to learn languages with a with you know either you know being being uh, sight disabled or hearing disabled. So um, yeah, if you if you if you make it to uh, to uh, Langfest next year and present, please let me know. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I would lo I'd love to see that talk and the polyglot yeah, and not not to shamelessly promote them, but they 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 are my my most attended uh conference uh i i love them and, and there's there's talks that they're willing to uh allow and people will talk about you know like uh you know gender pronouns for non-binary and um you know how to how to learn a language this way or that way or um you know i i definitely think that that's something that you are likely to present would be well received so if you can ever make it to a gathering let me know. I think I think you would have great success with uh, being able to present. Oh, I I would love to, I would love to go. But once again, it's always the financial. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. It's, that's that's it, the big thing. Right. And I I actually asked someone. I said, wouldn't it be great to have something in the U.S. You know, for people who couldn't go to something in Europe? Because I mean, I I just got finished interviewing Shahida Foster over the weekend and she used to be in the airline industry and she said it just depends on like the dates and the times you know you can't get reasonable rates and I, I'm sitting here thinking yes if you have a full-time job and you you're not living on disability or you're not you see what I'm saying like, oh, oh totally yeah yeah it, it, it's hard because the world is a big place and I mean even if they have something in in the states like I'm, I'm on the east coast and if they have something in california it doesn't necessarily mean that i will be able to get to go it depends on flights and 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 you know timing people's schedules sometimes people work or have other things going on uh so it's it's i mean it's really hard to um you know to it's hard to expect a conference to um be convenient for you uh but um you know i mean the, it, it, save up plan ahead um constantly oh, yeah. look for flights i'm i'm constantly looking at at flights and trying to get the cheapest thing possible and um you know sometimes i have to use miles which which is a nice bonus um sometimes an event will be uh somewhere where i know people and i can sleep on their couch i i i went to a conference in Hawaii in February and tickets were just unbearably expensive, but I was able to cash in miles and coming back, I had to do three flights and, you know, do a red eye and it was inconvenient, but it got me to Hawaii without, you know, spending more than 15 bucks on a ticket. And then I have a friend from high school who was there and that, you know, that saved me 150 bucks a night by sleeping in his spare room. And, right. uh, you know, so that, so that, so there are, you know, and Airbnbs are great. I mean, you can definitely find um, really wonderful, um, you know, places to stay for for super cheap sometimes. And I haven't gone to Priceline in a while, but and, and I'm sorry to be like shamelessly plugging sites that I do or don't use, but Priceline used to be really good with um, finding a low price or at least bidding and and maybe getting a ticket for the price that you can afford. Although I don't know, I think I think they might have kind of. Uh, sort of leveled off and now they offer prices that other you know aggregate sites offer so right. um, but yeah it is hard because there are all these things that all these events going on and you wish they were closer but 
you know, right. if, if, you know, and again, if you, if you, if the mountain will not come to you, then you've got to find a way to, um, you know, to get there. And um, I mean, I mean, I don't know if you, if you do sponsors so much um, or if you, if you think about like maybe getting more ads on your, on your site, I don't know if that'll help. I'm really I, kind I, of, you know. Oh yeah. I, I have been trying to get um, more language related companies to sponsor my podcast um of course i haven't heard anything back yet but um because it is quite competitive i'm not oh definitely yeah yeah it is (laughs) you know because every time you turn around someone's coming out with something and um i noticed that and but i will say i have had a blast doing my show learning from people you know because i i don't have a degree in theater i mean i don't have a degree in languages i have a degree in theater studies from kent state university and I have my um, other degree from the Los Angeles Film School in directing, screenwriting, and producing. Oh, excellent. So I'm more of an artistic person. So when I come to the whole language learning experience, um, I'm more one of those people who I look at it from not just a speaking side of things. I look at it from a historical, cultural, political side. Um, you know, because when I'm having a conversation with someone, I want to talk about a variety of different things. Hold on real quick. Oh my God. Okay, sure. Hi everyone, it's Dave. How are you doing? Hi. Hey, I just want to say I like your shoes. Are they new? All right, Chanel will be right back. Okay. Oh, here she comes. Okay. Okay, hi. (laughs) Hi, yes, I... My freezer wants to act like a fool. <laughs> hmm. Yes, I'm going to have to let them know, like, I need a new refrigerator. Oh. But um, for the most part, I love this community, you know, and I also try to let people know, you know, about accessibility within their, their particular stuff that they're coming out with. Um, as far as materials, because I've been on certain people's sites and I can navigate their stuff with my screen reader because I, I use all Apple products, so I use voiceover. To read like the words and stuff to me on the page and whatnot, and I get to interact in certain fields and type things easily and, you know, go to this link or that link or whatever. And if I find something that's not working, I'll email that person and say, well, this isn't working with my screen reader. You might want to check this out. You know, and then when I go for, I have to go a little bit further than that to explain what I'm saying because some people don't understand what a screen reader is. And so um, I've had to do that as well, Um, like educate a lot of people on accessibility because someone might have ADD or ADHD, Asperger's, they might be dyslexic, they might have adult autism, but that's totally different than if you have a visual disability where you're having to use text-to-speech to be able to get the information spoken to you so you'll be able to, you know, uh, absorb it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, a lot of people who are completely blind that's never had sight day in their life, you know, this is how they, they navigate 
you know, computers and they have keyboard commands and all. I mean, I know people that can take computers apart and put them back together with no sight whatsoever. (laughs) They're computer engineers and this and this and this and that. And they're really good at it. Chanel, not so much. Chanel, (laughs) I'm lucky to have a podcast. Um, You know, so for me personally, it's one of those things where, you know, I got to learn how to put a, I want to start my own blog this summer, um, you know, based off of my podcast and my own language learning um, journey in my own right and share it with people in a written format because people are asking me, when am I going to have a blog? Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I want to get my podcast up to a certain amount of people that I interview before I get to do a blog because I need to learn how to navigate WordPress and create this and I've never done any of this so I'm new to it and you know I'm lucky to have an Instagram account Facebook and Twitter and YouTube you know and just to navigate all of that that's a lot oh it is it is yeah we we you know my friend Rick and I we have we have the uh, the lollygagging podcast and um it's just like in order to build it up and and to promote it and and everything and and get subscribers we it's there's so much work to do with promotion and facebook posts and twitter and and everything and it's just it's just it's exhausting and so it's really only like a side project for us right now um oh and 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 rick also has a a youtube channel where we we sometimes do uh, videos and they go on for you know 45 minutes talking about basically nothing and uh just just, i mean do it doing the work to promote is uh, it takes up three times more work than actually recording video or audio. And again, you know, my schedule only allows so much free time. So, uh, so it's, you know, any, any kind of major promoting is on the back burner for, for me, but uh, so I can, I can imagine, you know, what you've got to go through and with, with promotion and everything, but I, I will say that I think that, that uh, I think there is definitely a market there. I think there is an audience who, uh, you know, is disabled, who, probably need something cohesive that talks about all the different ways that they can access the internet or language materials. And I think that you could really uh, carve out that niche and, and really get going on that. So um, I think that would be something to really write about and kind of promote yourself as doing, because, you know, when I first heard about you, I did, I didn't know about the, the disability and I just, knew of you as a podcaster and then I, I was listening to your podcast it's like wait wait she's visually impaired wait what, what what it's like I had no idea and I think if you if you do a blog I think you should kind of market yourself as you know as the you know the sight impaired language learner I think that would definitely be uh something that you could write about because you've got so much experience with it and you've 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 got the screen reader and you you do find like what you know people can ask what what do you do when you come across a website that you can't access that your that your screen reader, you know, doesn't right. recognize? So you, um, you know, and it's funny that you say that because I actually have to contact the people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and either they get what I'm saying, or it like completely gets ignored. Mm. And so, it's one of those things where you have to kind of build a rapport with people. So like I have an rapport rapport with Lindsay and Shannon Kennedy and Kirsten and Ollie and Chris and a few other people. And so I broke it down for Ollie. Oh, I love him to death. <laughs> God sent. Um, he actually will sit and listen to what you actually have to say. And 
you know, he listens to what the people in his groups have to say about what they need the most out of, you know, their language learning experience. And I love his method where it's story-based because I love to read. And so, you know, he, he does the audio and the, and the text at the same time, you know. And I enjoy that, just like um, I enjoy Steve Kaufman and I like Moses' approach, you know, his, his YouTube videos. And Luca, I, yeah, it, it's just, it's amazing <laughs> to see all these people and they're different, you know. And everybody's like, Chanel, keep doing this. You need to come out with a blog. When are you coming out with one? I'm like, well, when I figure out how to use WordPress, I'll let you know. I mean, because I am, that, that's something I'm working on, trying to figure out how to use is WordPress um, because I know a lot of totally blind people that can do it. My best friend, she's visually impaired. She does it. I'm like, but see, I'm not the most tech savvy person. <laughs> so it's like, Oh my God. You know, I mean, I went on the site. It is accessible with my screen reader, which is great, but I've never done any of this. So I'm just like, Oh my God. You know, <laughs> well, well, we'll, we'll do it. Just go on and do it. You've got a friend who's blind who does WordPress. Um, yeah. You know, talk to her and 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 I mean, get get in cahoots with her uh, because yeah, I mean, if if, if you know if, if you're being held back, right. um, you know, take that thing that's holding you back and you know, <laughs> tell it to piss off. <laughs> oh, oh, trust me, that's another yeah. thing too. Like I I have been on certain people's sites, like Amby Gonzalez's site, and I tried to navigate her page, couldn't do anything. Not one thing on her page. Couldn't read nothing. Couldn't hardly move my cursor or anything. And I, like I had to let her know. Like, you're, I mean, like her web page looked like it was moving around. <laughs> I was like, okay, I don't think I'll be getting on this site. You know, um, I mean, I I love. Um, I'm trying to get Stu J. Raj on my show. I, I oh I don't I don't who is that I, I the he name doesn't is, he is an Australian polyglot that lives in Thailand and he's mostly focused on Asian languages, but this guy speaks like 29 languages. Wow. (laughs) And he's so good with Thai that he has his own talk show in Thailand. Oh, fantastic. You know, and I've been trying to, I want to get him on my show really badly. Um, My goal was to interview the top five or six polyglots in the world and I'm this close to achieving my goal. Oh, excellent. Um, um, I got to re-record with Luca soon because we weren't supposed to record last month. But um, technical issues, um, for some reason, people's cell phones were going wonky at like 2 o'clock in the afternoon Eastern Standard Time. And I guess Verizon, something happened with their towers for like an hour and people can't do nothing. And, and I'm not even on Verizon, but it was affecting my phone and I'm on AT&T. So I was like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> and so um, we're supposed to get back with each other and, um, you know, restart the interview. But it was amazing because I felt a connection with Luca as a language learner because I'm one of those people I like to learn for the sake of learning. And... Um, Right now, I'm learning Cantonese, Thai, and Turkish. Oh, wow. <laughs> and then I'm also improving my French and Italian. 
And I, uh, aside from English, I know American Sign Language since a child. I learned Spanish in college. I taught myself Russian. Um, I can speak a little bit of Dutch. Um, my Portu- my Brazilian Portuguese is questionable. <laughs> Even though my friends from Brazil, oh, you're, it's not bad, it's improved. I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. You know, but aside from that, you know, I enjoy doing this. I enjoy talking to people and, and getting their side of language learning and talking about the nitty gritty um, aspects of language learning as well, because you know, there, there are good sides to it. There are sides where, you know, people are frustrated because they feel like they're not getting anywhere. There are people that, you know, they might have some issues with depression and it helps them get over that. Um, you know, they met somebody and that's why they learned a language. You know, so, I mean, so many people have so many reasons as to why, you know, they get into this community. And I, I've been very blessed to have people welcome me inside of this community. Now, not to say that I haven't had a few rude people in chat sites where they didn't want to talk to me because I was disabled. Huh, that's, yeah. that's, uh, that's, that's, yeah, that is rude. Yes, I mean, I had someone last week say to me, um, I want to be able to speak English or practice my English. Thank you for attempting to speak French, but we're only going to speak English. And I got on and I said, um, no, if we're going to do an hour of the language exchange, half of it will be in English, the other half will be in French, or I will not speak with you at all. Well, that's interesting. I, I, uh, my, my, my friend uh, and uh, partner in crime, Ricky Dearman, who I've mentioned before, he, uh, he will be at the gathering this year, the Polyglot Gathering, and he will be presenting on what he learned uh, from 500 uh, language exchanges. And, and I don't want to give too much away, but he does kind of talk about some of the, uh, some of the downsides of, of, you know, language chats and, and everything. And, and he, does, he does kind of emphasize that, yes, if, you, if you're going to you know agree to this then you have to kind of hold up your end of the bargain right. and and I, I i believe i don't know the the full details of his talk but i believe he suggests that you know if yeah exactly if, if someone is not going to hold up their end of the bargain then get out of there because they are not um you know they're they're not worth your time right and i i you know i have noticed too that people have said like i've gotten you're not passionate enough you're speaking this language too slow well, I'm not from the country. I'm attempting to learn your language because I, out of respect for your culture, history, so forth. And there's something about the language that drew me to it, you know, wanting to know more about your culture. But you're insulting me because <laughs> I'm not speaking fast enough? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's, and that's, but the, the nice thing is there are, you know, thousands of other people out there who, who don't care and who will actually be patient and, and listen to you. So yeah, it's, it's, it's nice that you can just disconnect uh, from these people um, oh, yeah. a, a lot more easily than, than in real life sometimes. So. Right. And I mean, yeah. I've heard other polyglots saying, you know, um, that they, sometimes it's like they're kind of down in the dumps because they're doing this and they're promoting all mm-hmm. this, you know, polyglot sharing and polyglot this and this and this. And they feel like sometimes people are just so negative and so mean, you know, and I don't know if it's because it's a cultural thing or, you know, like in certain parts of the world, women, you know, having opinions, you know, I mean, 
I was accused of uh, insulting someone's family member the other day. And I don't understand how that even happened. And I wound up blocking the person from Facebook because I was like, are you kidding me? I would never do that. But at the end of the day, I have to be very careful because I am very critical sometimes uh, about the treatment of people in general, whether you are in the LGBT community or you're a woman or you're disabled or, you know, people just being mean. I don't like that. And I will speak up for, for whoever that's being treated unfairly because, you know, that's, I can't stand by and just watch someone being brutally attacked for no reason. Well, that's great. That's great. More, more power to you. you know, yeah. So, but at the same time, people, oh, well, you know, they're really, they're really sensitive people. And I understand that. But guess what? We live in a world where you're supposed to have freedom of speech. And sometimes freedom of speech in the U.S. or in Western Europe is totally different in the East. And so a lot of people don't see us the same way um, when we express how we feel. And when you say to someone they're not passionate about something, that insults their integrity and everything that they're trying to do to promote language learning in their own right, you know, because everyone does things differently. And I pretty much have to take it with a grain of salt and say, look, this is just my opinion. You can either take it or leave it. You know, you don't have to agree with me. We can agree to disagree. Yeah. Oh, completely. Yeah. But at the same time, I should have the right to say how I feel if someone thinks that I'm not passionate. I mean, if I wasn't passionate enough, I wouldn't be building my entire, um, you know, podcast and me creating a blog and, and, and exposing myself to the rawest form um, in front of millions and billions of people every week. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I said, it, this was a big step for me to be able to create this platform to be able to have people tell how their language learning stories has impacted not only them, but other people. And if I can change one person's, um, you know, outlook on it's okay to learn something, it doesn't matter if you have a disability or non-disability, then I'm happy. I mean, I look at my analytics and I was shocked to know that I had 88 people here in the U.S. listening to me, three people in Spain, two people (laughs) in France. And then, okay, going from the UK all over the world, I have one person in each country. You name the country, someone's listening to me. Oh, that's great. <laughs> and I just, found, I just found this out. So, and I didn't realize how many people I was reaching, you know. And so for me, you know, I, I feel very passionate about, you know, bringing people together through language learning. You know, because it's about communication and bridging the, the communication divide. And that you don't necessarily need to use English 24-7 in order to get your point across. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and so, so you're focusing your energy on the people who are listening, the people who want to be involved. There's always going to be someone on the outside who's a naysayer, who wants to put people down. You know, and maybe it's, maybe it's because they, you know, they're just a mean person or they've had a hard life or even just it's a cultural thing. Some, I know some... some uh, 
some uh, cultures and countries are more direct than than I am. Some people are less, and so I'm the offensive one. And so, you know, you're right. Take take things with a grain of salt, but also don't you know don't worry about um, trying to make the 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 naysayers and the negative people happy. I mean, you've got you've got. You know, you're cranking out the podcast. Um, you know, you've got uh, experience with learning languages your way. You've also got experience with learning languages having you know, the disability, and you can you can speak loads about all of your experiences. And if anyone else wants to come in and say, "Hey, you know, you're not good enough. You're not fast enough. You know, you're not smart enough," I, it it doesn't mean a thing. And I like that you're just you continue to move and you're you're still cranking things out. Oh, yeah. So, so, so you go. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Yeah. I, actually, I, I planned on, um, I think in July, I need to contact a few people, but I want to do a panel of seven people. And I want to talk about the downside of language learning because I see people beating themselves up over the head about, like, they learn the language, right? They don't want to offend the people who speak the language as their native tongue or their culture or anything like that. But they want to be able to, like, I wouldn't say break the wheel, but they want to be able to make it their own. And they feel that, like, if they try to change things with it for themselves, that they would be offending other people or they don't know if they can give their themselves permission to be able to to use what they have in order to be able to do something different and I said well the last time I checked a language isn't something you buy and you you own in that direct sense like you buy a car or a house or a condo no you it's something you acquire and so no one owns a language like per se is something that you inherit because you have to use it in order to communicate effectively with people. So you might not be French because you don't live in Quebec or you don't live in a French-speaking country, but you're just as French as somebody else because you learned the language. So if you want to write a play in that language or make a movie in that language, you can do so and no one's going to beat you over the head because of it or at least they shouldn't yeah <laughs> right so you know don't don't beat yourself up because you want to use it in a different way than what it was intended for i mean but also you know there's like people get depressed they get overwhelmed and i kind of want to talk about this because honestly for me it's it's been therapeutic for me to learn languages so in so many different ways and so um i kind of want to talk about that and bring certain people on that have experienced this because it's it's not being talked about yeah no i think i think that that would be good again that that's another uh, uh another void you could fill it's something that you could people together and and have the panel and promote that and i think that would resonate with a lot of polyglots because i think a lot of polyglots uh, deal with similar issues. They deal with not being perfect or uh, being afraid to move forward with the language because as soon as you make a mistake, then, oh no, same, and you're bad. And 
it's, sometimes it's hard. I mean, sometimes I don't speak as much because I don't want to go through the, the growing pains of making mistakes and learning the language because sometimes I'm just not in the mood. And other times, especially if you put me in uh, you know, the, the place where the language is, is native and spoken, I will, I will bend over backwards to make an ass of myself making mistakes and just, just so I can spit out the words and try them out on people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it goes back to, again, being an American who knows however much of language X uh, is, is a novelty. And, and I, I, I tend to think of myself as fairly approachable and non-threatening and, and, and right. so hopefully disarming. And, um, you know, I, I've gone to the polyglot gathering for the past two years in Bratislava in Slovakia. Mm-hmm. And, and my friends just, I mean, they, they just, you know, watch me just go and I'm out in, in the streets talking to Slovak people and saying things and I'm making mistakes. I'm not using the right cases. You know, I'm, I'll say the word in nominative case instead of genitive. So it's got the wrong ending, but I don't care. And, right. you know, and it, and it's, and it's so much fun. And, uh, you know, in, in one instance, I went up to a complete stranger and was asking her for uh, information. And she didn't have the information I knew or that I, I was looking for. But she happened to know uh, one of the one of the, uh, the organizers for the gathering, uh, Lydia Makova. And so right. we were like, oh, you know, Lydia. And so we ended up, you know, just talking for a bit. And it was a, a great experience. And it was just so much fun to be so... Um, you know, unencumbered by fear and, and, you know, that desire to, to, you know, to reach perfection. So, so, so there are times like that where I think it's, it's, you know, if, it, having that energy momentum really gets me going, but I also, I do know what it's like to make mistakes and to only know a few things that you want to say. I mean, I could talk, right. you know, I could talk about basic things in Slovak now, but if you asked me about politics, I would not be able to, you know, contribute to the conversation, right. um, you know, religion, you know, sex, right. you know, all, all those taboo topics, but even like, even just, you know, things that are outside the basic realm, I'm going to be limited. So, um, right. so again, it's sort of a novelty sometimes where you can just say, hello, thank you. How, you know, you know, my duck likes to play the violin, you know, I actually right. learned to learn that at one point for fun, but um, yeah. So, so I, I, I can definitely uh, understand like how, you know, how, like the, the, the dark side of language learning and how it is easy to kind of feel like you're not good enough or you're not picking things up well, uh, well oh, enough. Yeah. yeah. Well, not, not just even that, but you're looking at all these people that are so successful and they got their own companies and they're doing this, this and this. And why the hell can't you be there? And why can't you contribute? And, you know, and yes, it, it can be overwhelming. You know, Com- to yeah, completely. To, to watch and. You know, I, I sat there and I said to myself, I said, well, you know, this takes time. This is not something that just happens overnight. But, you know, people want to be fluent in something like three months. And I'm like, <laughs> um, let's be realistic. Um, let's try about a year, year and a half, two years tops. You know, you don't have to spend hours cracking open a book or listening to some audio just like before you came on, I was listening to Ollie Richards' um, uh, The Rules of Language Learning, um, his episode three of it. And then I listened to Podcast Italiano before that. You know, <laughs> so I got my Italian in for the day. And, you know, I said, you don't have to sit there and have a Michelle Thomas course open for an hour. You can listen to a podcast. Okay, fine. You can listen to a song. You can leave a message 
for somebody in the target language, whether it's written or spoken. Anything where you're applying the language, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, the the thing is, and I, I know people, you know, including Chris. Chris, uh, you know, his, his website is actualfluency.com, and he he at some point had a disclaimer. Not about being fluent. It's about being the level of fluency that that you want or you need. And so, and I think Benny also Benny Lewis also um, is like fluent in three months or or whatnot. It, again, it's not they don't they don't necessarily insist that you're going to be you know fluent but that you 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 will get some fluidity depending on you know on, on how you, you know, how you go about learning and so people right. think oh I'm, I'm gonna be fluent in three months you know and then they start their program it's like okay i'm gonna learn five words a day it's like well that's that's great mm -hmm. but you know and if you only take five minutes a day to learn five words you're not gonna you're not gonna do it and um i mentioned this on another po on one of the podcasts i do for uh, the lollygagging podcast but you know if you go to vegas you'll see signs saying oh like 98 percent returns on the slot machines and on video poker and people think oh i'm just gonna play and i'll get most of my money back and the the way they get you is that the 98 percent or whatever the number is is based on what they call perfect play so if you play the cards the right way um, and, and there's a certain set of rules for playing video poker. If you play them the right way and follow the certain rules and play the odds uh, in your favor as best you can, then you'll make back like 98% of what you put into the machines. But not if you just hit random cards left and right, you know, you're not going to make that money back. And with language learning, it's the same way. You, you can be fluent in three months, but you have to do it the right way you have to do you know either total immersion or really invest time in it yeah. and and a lot of people you know again fluency fluent and fluency are words that are these these magic targets these magic goals that people think oh if i do this if i do a b and c then i will reach fluency and fluency is is a very slippery goal yeah. and for for me it has never been something to head towards but something that you work on and eventually you get to a point where you look behind you and you go, oh, I've, I've passed that line. It's never something that you can see in front of you that you will eventually reach. It's something that you will work at and work at. And then one day without no, knowing it, you are what you might consider to be fluent. Right. And I mean, you know. it's like with my Spanish, I learned it in college. But at the same time, I was good at the grammar. My vocabulary was all right but I didn't have enough speaking exposure. And, you know, this is before the internet was jumping. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, had, I had the textbook with the CDs to accompany it. I had, like, tutors in the tutoring center. And I spent, like, 12 and a half hours a week on it, you know. And I didn't have a choice. I Everything was by ear, you know. I didn't have any Braille. I didn't have nothing. And they wanted me to go to Cuba and Mexico for, like, a month and study because that's how good I was well but I did not like Spanish like that I only hmm. took it because I needed it for a degree requirement and they didn't have Russian Italian or French so I didn't have a choice so... yeah that's and that's 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 very common with uh, with education nowadays although it's, it's nice that um, especially universities now are starting to expand their foreign language uh, curriculum and uh, so, you, so you can have a wider range to, to study but but yeah, no, yeah, my, mine was the same way, Spanish. It was either Spanish, French, or German. And I thought Spanish would be easiest. And I think, I think it was. But again, it was taught in a way 
and I learned in a way where it I didn't absorb it. So um, so it was the I little part of it. But uh, what I did was I went outside of the the little universe, the little community college I was at, and I went and I just got music, like Shakira, Ricky Martin, Enrique Iglesias, <laughs> and I listened to that until this day. I mean, I still the same stuff I listened to in college. I still listen to, and I didn't realize I had become fluent just by doing that for like the past oh I don't know 16 17 years until I had a conversation with someone for two hours in Mexico and I'll tell you if you're not used to speaking a language that you really don't like very well for that long you will have a headache the size of next week it took two hours just for me to come down from the headache but then when I spoke Russian for two hours with a friend of mine's mother that speaks no English I didn't have a headache Oh, great. <laughs> I, I enjoyed every moment of it. And I, I found my own little me- method. I'm better if I can speak a language with someone that does not speak English. Because yeah, it forces well, me to pull out all the vocabulary and everything I know. Oh, de- definitely, definitely. Actually, that reminds me uh, a similar situation. Uh, my friend and I, my friend Brian and I were in, we were studying in Arizona and we had some friends in Mexico and we, you know, they were just a straight shot down across the border and we drove down there. We drove Brian's car down there, hung out with our friends for the weekend and then driving up, right, I think maybe about a hundred kilometers south of the border, Brian's car broke down. And so I had to, Brian stayed with the car. I had to flag I had to hitch a ride to the nearest town to find a tow truck driver who could come back, tow the car to the little town, um, and then have them look at it the next day at the, at the mechanic, and then have them say, no, we can't fix it, bring it to the border town, there's a mechanic there. And so then we had to have it towed to the border town and talk to the mechanic. And I had to do all of this in Spanish. No one knew English because, because the areas that we were in were, were small and English was not popular there. Right. And, it, and it really, and it forced me to like bring words out that I hadn't studied in a decade. And um, that, it, was, it was great and it was sort of a total immersion survival mode kind of a thing and you know and and so everyone everyone kind of touts immersion is the way to go and and there's definitely a lot of value in that um and i think that i think especially with russian i don't know too many people who are promoting russian methods so if you've got if you've got something that works for you uh you you should share that as well oh trust me i i plan on it um i actually will be interviewing anna alexandrovnaya of Russian language podcast next Monday. And, um, you know, I, that Russian and French and Italian were my favorite languages as a teenager, but I never got to take the classes. So I've been teaching myself those languages independently. And I found that I was a better independent learner than I was going into a classroom. You know, because you get to choose the materials, you get to choose the subjects that you want to learn, you know, what what vocabulary, so forth and so on. And so with, you know, YouTube and Netflix and Hulu and all of that, I'm able to now have voiceover on my Mac and my iPad Pro and my phone and my Apple TV. Read me the subtitles in those languages if the subtitles are available per, you know, for that particular movie. Um, in that language, so I'll take my English movies and put them in French subtitles or whatever language I feel like, you know, getting the vocabulary for, and I'll do it that way because I know the movie already. 
I just want to soak in the, the vocabulary. <laughs> or I'll listen to a couple hours of French 24, you know, in French. I don't watch American news anymore. And so um, I'll do it either in Italian, Russian, French, you know. And I actually watch Bad Boys 2 with Thai subtitles. Even though my Thai, <laughs> my Thai is not that great. But, you know, I said, look. Um, I can at least introduce myself, say where I'm from, you know, basic things in Thai. And I actually did Cantonese with Mango for six weeks. Like it was 59 lessons in six weeks. And I got on the phone and ordered me some food in Thai, gave my address and telephone number. I was so proud of myself. Oh, that's amazing. That's great. You know, so I mean, those, I, I try to do those types of things and I'll tell people, yeah. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to order me some food in Thai. I'm going to learn this much Thai for this. And I, I do it in chunks because if you try to cram a whole bunch of stuff in your head, you're not going to remember it all. And so, you know, I do whatever it is I like doing in English. I do it in that language. And I, I specify to people, don't try to cram it all in because you're not going to remember it all. Yeah, I mean, you, you've got you've got to have some application for it. You got to have you got to be able to to you know use it basically. Yeah, um, you know, use it or lose it. And yeah, no, I, I love I love the the Thai restaurant thing. I mean, because I when I go out for Thai food, I'll like walk in and say you know sawati krap and and you know I think oroi mak you know which is very delicious and maybe a few other things, but um, yeah. but no, I tea wrote, wait gindi tea dai ruta ruta sorry let me start over gindi tea dai ruta Dave, nice to meet you, Dave. Oh, oh, and I, I, I would say kapun krap because that's all I, I can say that would, re, you know, that you know, for a response to that. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm I, sorry. Yeah. yeah, but no, even even when my tie was the best it had ever been, I would never have the the nerve to or the, the guts to to call in an order. I would not mm. not have made it that far. So so more power to you on that. That's awesome. Oh yeah, you know, and it's funny because I I. I find Stu J's videos to be very helpful. And um, like I had figured out how to spell his wife's name because it's Wimindra, W-I-M-I-N-T-R-A. And it's Wimindra. And people butcher it. And she's like, <laughs> oh my God, how can you butcher? It's only three syllables. I'm like, You'll be surprised, you know, <laughs> and I can tell the difference between Thai and Cantonese and, and it's like, that's so hard. I was like, I don't see it as hard. Have you ever learned? No, I haven't. But the cool thing is I do plan on learning Hindi, Japanese, Swahili, because I'm 40% uh, from Bantu tribe in, in West Africa where they speak Swahili. I just found that out. Oh, congrats. And, wow. And then, and, then, and then I have a quarter Irish in me too. So. So I plan on learning Swahili, Hindi, Japanese, and Arabic, Egyptian dialect, of course. Oh, excellent. Okay. And um, (laughs) because a lot of what I like to do, too, is watch movies in the different languages, because you learn so much about their culture and how, you know, what they, how they interact with each other, you know, and because I came from film and theater background, that, that enforces my creativity and, and so forth, and I was like, wow. I was like, well, I just don't want to speak. I want to be able to <laughs> say that I, I, I immerse myself somewhat in, in the culture and, and how they, they interact with each other. 
Yeah, well, if you want to learn Hindi, I mean, I mean, Bollywood movies nowadays are a lot of fun. Uh, my partner and I were uh, were in Mumbai uh, a couple of years ago, and we we went out to see a uh, uh, you know a, a full on uh, Bollywood movie, and it was spectacular. A lot of dialogue, you know, a lot of singing, and um, just really really enjoyed it. And I think the the older Bollywood movies, I, I, I they don't resonate with me, but the newer ones, the modern ones, are a lot of fun. Uh, and I I met I met some some teenage girls in a park in Mumbai who introduced me to Tiger Shroff, who is a, a popular actor. Uh, and, and they told me about a Bollywood movie that he was in. And, and um, oh, I, ca I can't even remember the name of it, but it, he, I found videos on YouTube where he's dancing and there's this you know, gorgeous woman who's also dancing and, and singing and speaking in Hindi. And uh, yeah, I would, I would say uh, ch check those out. Uh, yeah, Tiger, have... Tiger Shroff, if you remember that name. Okay, yeah, because <laughs> we, we have a large Hindi population here in Akron and they're actually wanting to teach people Hindi for free. Really? Oh, go do it. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be right over. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, and it's it's kind of funny because the language community in this town is so crazy. I wouldn't have to go nowhere. Yeah. Oh no, it's great. I'm actually I'm, I'm a little jealous. I mean, I live in Charlottesville, Virginia, and we have you know, we have some small uh, you know small communities for different languages. But uh, yeah, you've got you've got the mother load there. That's awesome. I mean, they even have like Nepal and people from Myanmar, and it's just you know, it's it's crazy. I'm, like people are like, do you speak Urdu? No. Do you speak Persian or Dari? No. I mean, I actually was this close to learning Dari because uh, there was a blind guy from Afghanistan, mm -hmm. and they, he was about four. He should be like forty-three now, and they moved to the U.S. and he was learning English, but he had to have an interpreter because his English was not good enough to communicate basic words. Hello, my name is all that still, and his wife had just had a baby. And they wanted me to teach him Braille. And I said, well, he has to be fluent in English first before he can learn Braille because you got to be able to read and write. You got to be able to speak. You got to be able to communicate. And if he can't do that, I might, I mean, I went and crammed some Dari in and said hello and introduced myself and thank you. That was the most I can get out in that time frame. But I told him, I said, I'm sorry, I can't do anything until he. His English is at a certain level. If you can't give basic phrases and, ba you know, wants and needs, you won't be able to go anywhere, you know. So, and people were impressed that I wanted to learn someone else's language in order to communicate with them. And I said, well, if you can't speak English, what, what else am I supposed <laughs> to do, you know? <laughs> you know, I just went to the library and found a, a Pimsleur disc and, and started learning. <laughs> but you know it i mean that gives me the motivation and fuel to tell people you know not everyone speaks english you know so you gotta you gotta be able to communicate yeah exactly and and, and you know and some people may have the attitude it's like oh well they live here and they should they should speak it and oh, yes. you know and and you know and 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 regardless of of you know any validity or not for that the point the whole point is like you're in a situation you you, you you know you're a person and you want to communicate with that person over there who doesn't speak english you can either say oh well forget them or you can make an effort and again i found like early on making an effort uh either in the united states or or abroad you know where i you know i want to communicate with someone who doesn't speak english I want to make the effort. And there are a lot of people out there who are willing to. And I, I think it's a great thing. I think it's, it's great that you're not just in this English shell. 
So, um, yeah, so I, I, yeah, you're, de you're definitely part of the polyglot community. So, um, yeah, so th thank you for that. Um, I wanted to say, um, can anyone find out, like, if they want to contact you, um, where to contact you? Sure. Uh, you can uh, just meet me out on the corner. I'll be there in 20 minutes. And uh, <laughs> No, no, um, you can find me. Uh, probably best way is uh, you can just email me. You can just, just do daveprine at gmail.com. Uh, you can find me on my uh, much dormant uh, blog, polyglotsanonymous.com. And uh, you can hear uh, our podcast, uh, my podcast with Rick Dearman at lollygagging-podcast.com. And uh, yep, that's, that is it. It is the Lollygagging Podcast, and you can hear me ramble on with uh, Rick. And uh, or if you're going to be at the at the Polyglot Gathering in uh, May and June of 2019, uh, find me there. I'm going to give a talk called "Hey Polyglots, Endangered Languages Need Your Help." And uh, yeah, yeah, that's, just... uh, that's like totally awesome. I, I you know it's funny if, if I had my passport and I was able to go, I would go. But the weekend that they're having it is my birthday. Oh, well, happy birthday. Yes, I'll be happy. 42 on June 1st. And then, oh, congrats. And then what was so crappy about it is that the same weekend as my birthday and the polyglot gathering is my 20th anniversary from high school reunion. <laughs> so I was like, yep. really? And everybody's like, Chanel, are you coming? I was like, um, my birthday? <laughs> <laughs> so... Yes, I'm hoping next year. That's my goal next for next year. I'm planning ahead for that. And once I get my passport, like I got my passport. Okay, I'm coming to mine first. Because <laughs> you know, um, Tatsuna was like, we can't wait to see you. <laughs> you know. So yeah, I'm I'm really excited, and I want to say thank you for everything you're doing in the polyglot community and sharing, you know, your polyglot adventures in your own way. Because I, you know, I just don't see. I don't see that um, a lot. I mean, I, I see similar things, but I don't. I don't see like um, a lot of people. You know, they have their own way of of, of sharing their stuff. But you stuck out a lot. Like, <laughs> I was like, I, I want to interview him. He's interesting. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. And thank you for inviting me on. And, and thank you for introducing me to your podcast. And it's great because I because I, I, you know, after a while, it, it seems like everyone's selling something and everyone's pushing something and it all turns into white noise. So it's nice um, to, to kind of hear a fresh voice. And uh, I mean, God, you've 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 gotten so many people on. Uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to get caught up with uh, your backlog and it's going to take me a, a few months. Um, but uh, also, yeah, trust me, I have more people coming I'm, I'm <laughs> next week. Next week is Anna Lexandrovnaya of Russian Language Podcast. Then I have um, Kathy Nadoy. I have Caroline Caspers. And I have um, Jordan Akins. Then I have a friend of mine from Nigeria that knows 14 languages named Kalau Lousies. And then I have Elena Guerriello. Um, she's an Italian um, polyglot. Her, I have Tamara Marie coming on, David James, um, Gareth Hawkins. Um, I have um, Shannon Kennedy coming back on to talk about drops. And yeah, so I, I have a few. I got to redo my interview with Luca. I got to re record my interview with Andy Roberts because we did it and it didn't come out very well. So we're going to redo it again. 
and I, I'm waiting for Lucas and Jan. Lucas has been very ill recently. Um, so we were supposed to do uh, an interview about language boost. And so um, I told Lucas yesterday when I talked to him, when you get better, call me. I'm here. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. Because <laughs> um, he was like, I'm sorry I haven't. I've been so sick with this throat infection. And I was like, in that scene, it seems that people are getting sick more and more, especially with the, the throat issue. And I said, I hope it's not a staph infection because that's not good. Oh, yeah, definitely not. <laughs> yeah, so... Cause I know someone that's, that has one and it's, it's pretty bad. <laughs> so, but, um, thank you for coming on. And I need to thank my listeners for listening to today's episode, episode 82 with Dave prime. Thank you listeners. And, um, thank you to flipboard.com for sponsoring this episode. Thank you and, flipboard. And for everybody who's new, please subscribe using the various podcasts. Um, places such as Google Play Store, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and you can go on anchor.fm slash Chanel Patrice Hancock to find Chanel's Language Learning Journey Podcast, C-H-E-N-E-L-L-E apostrophe S, Language Learning Journey Podcast. And remember, language learning is a journey, not a race. Enjoy the process, and I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I'll see you guys in the next one. Bye, Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.